Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I made a lot of bad bets with my friends as a kid. Things like, can you pick this lock? Can you beat this video game? One of the ones I regret most is, can you solve this Rubik's Cube? The stakes were high. This was when we were really getting into our Commodore machines, and we bet a box of floppy disks. When I made this bet, I thought I could go to the library and really figure out how to solve the cube. But after spending two hours, maybe three, sitting in the library, turning that cube and trying to get it right, I couldn't figure it out put the book down in disgust and realized I was going to lose a box of floppy disks. Then, a dark thought crossed my mind. Perhaps I wasn't going to lose a box of floppy disks. Perhaps I could solve the cube with a more unconventional way. That's right, I decided I was going to do one of two things. I was going to take my Rubik's Cube apart, or I was going to take the stickers off and reapply them. At first glance, I thought the sticker thing might be easier, but then it occurred to me that maybe they would lose their stickability and I wouldn't be able to put them back on. So I went home, got a screwdriver, and started trying to pry the Rubik's Cube apart. Now, since then, I have learned to properly take a Rubik's Cube apart. You sort of give it a quarter turn, and then you can pop the pieces off. Back then, I started to just take the cube and jab a screwdriver at the center cube, which I thought wasn't attached to the base, and soon it wouldn't be, and I pried upward, and that centerpiece popped into the air. I had busted my Rubik's Cube in an attempt to score some floppy disks. The real weird thing about this is I decided not to bring it up to my friends, and they didn't either. So the bet itself went nowhere, which was often the case with our bets. You take them seriously, then people kind of forget about them when something else would happen. But I had a constant reminder, my busted Rubik's Cube. It would be a few years before I was able to pick another one up at a garage sale, and I would work on that one, failing most of the time, until I finally figured it out and now can solve the Rubik's Cube without breaking it or removing the stickers. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with the Rubik's Cube, but I always have been. Maybe it's the puzzle, maybe it's the colors, maybe it's the cartoon that I was obsessed with during its brief run. I'm not sure. But on today's show, we're going to talk about the cartoon, Rubik the Amazing Cube. We'll talk about the people behind the camera, people doing the voices, the plot, the show's all-too-brief run, the theme song, and where you can find Rubik the Amazing Cube today. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Rubik the Amazing Cube ran from September of 1983 to September of 1984, and it was produced by Ruby Spears. It was on TV as part of the Pac-Man Rubik the Amazing Cube Hour on ABC. Ruby Spears, the creators of the show, is a California-based production company that specializes in animation. It was founded in 1977 by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. They had both started out as sound editors at Hanna-Barbera and would eventually start writing stories on shows like The Herculoids and Space Ghost. In the late 60s, they were tasked with developing a cartoon for Saturday morning that was mystery-based. The end result would be the iconic Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Eventually, they would depart from Hanna-Barbera and would create the Ruby Spears Studio. A year later... It was purchased by Filmways Television, and then in 1981, it was sold to Taft Broadcasting and became a sister company to Hanna-Barbera, which brings everything back together. Other characters and shows that Ruby Spears would create include Fang Face, Plastic Man, the 80s version of Alvin and the Chipmunks, and Thundar the Barbarian. Later stuff included the Superman series and the Mega Man cartoon series. We'll return after these messages. When you make a perfect slide in the big leagues, big leg pouch. When you keep the team alive in the big leagues, big leg shreds. When you block a shot or two in the big leagues, big leg flavor. You're into big league chew, big leg chew. Bad sized wads of great taste and shredded bubble gum stuffed into a giant stay fresh pouch. You're in the big leagues, big leg flavor and big leg bubble. You're into big league chew. There's O.J. Joe, rounding up oranges for Kellogg's, where they'll take the sweet juice and put it into new O.J.'s, a crunchy, delicious orange-tasting cereal. Let's eat them up. That's one delicious orange taste, O.J. That's my brand. (laughs) O.J.'s are packed with vitamin C, part of this complete breakfast. New O.J.'s, a delicious orange-tasting cereal. Pull them out. We now return with Rubik's The Amazing Cube. In the show, Rubik, this magical cube, fell out of the stagecoach of an evil magician, and with the help of three siblings who could magically put this thing together at super fast speeds, they were able to harness Rubik's innate magical ability and help keep the Rubik out of the hands of the evil magician. The better episodes are when they are dealing with the magician, but there are episodes where they encounter bullies and normal sort of adventures like that. Now, if you have a magical cube that can do just about anything, you should have no problems, but him being the Rubik's Cube, all you have to do is casually drop him, and he gets completely scrambled so that you can't do anything about it. And I cannot stress how frustrating I found it that these kids were so good at solving it when I couldn't even solve two sides. I think in one episode, even an animal was able to solve it. That really bugged me, but it kept me focused, eye on the prize. One of the cool things about Rubik the Amazing Cube is that the three siblings, Carlos, Lisa, and Reynaldo Rodriguez, are all of Hispanic origin, and it is one of the first shows, if not the first children's show, to have all the main characters be of Hispanic extraction. And we'll talk a little bit about the inclusion of Menudo and the theme song choice a little bit later. 
First, we'll talk a little bit about the cast. Michael Bell voiced Reynaldo. Angela Moya played Marla. Besides voice work, she's probably best known for her work in the films Gleaming the Cube and The Forbidden Dance. Jennifer Fajarda played Lisa. Not a tremendous amount of information on her, but Rubik the Amazing Cube seemed like the high watermark in her career, although she was also in Buddy Buddy in 1981. Michael Saucedo was Carlos. Saucedo's also a musician and a soap opera actor. Now, I might know him best for his work on Rubik the Amazing Cube, but if you're a soap opera fan, he played Juan Santiago on General Hospital from 1999 until 2001. The voice of Rubik was provided by Ronald Gabriel Polillo, better known as Ron Polillo, who was an American actor who passed away in 2012. He was Arnold Horshack on the sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter from 1975 to 1979. He had a very distinct voice, not what you'll hear in Rubik the Amazing Cube. To create the voice of Rubik, they took his voice and altered it some to give it that high-pitched sound. So I imagine if I had encountered Ron on the streets, I would have said to him, Hey, do the voice of Rubik! And he probably would have put his hand over his eyes and said, Oh, not another one. I can't do the voice, kid. But I could do Horshack, and that would have been pretty cool, too. Ooh, ooh, Mr. Kata. A lot of other people contributed great voice work to this, including Jack DeLeon, Lori Faso, Bob Holt, Tress McNeil, John Stevenson, Alan Young, and Janet Waldo, who I interviewed for the Jetsons podcast, if you want more information about her. Now with a little bit more about one of these very talented people is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this time I'm going to be taking a look at legendary voice actor Michael Bell. Michael Bell was born on July 30th, 1938 in Brooklyn, New York. He's had a long and varied entertainment career with live action roles and numerous voice works. To date, his internet movie database page lists 318 acting credits. From 1957 to 1972, Bell was seen in live-action roles for TV and films. Notable appearances include Gomer Pyle, USMC, The Monkees, Get Smart, Point Blank, where he co-starred with Lee Marvin, Mission Impossible, 1970's Airport, 1971's Brother John, where he co-starred with Sidney Poitier, Mary Tyler Moore, and Rod Serling's Night Gallery in the segment entitled Green Fingers. In 1972, Michael earned his first animated series voice work with the Houndcats, playing a character named Stutz. That same year, he would voice Craig Robinson on the pilot episode for the Lost in Space animated series, as well as the ABC Saturday Superstar movie presentation two-parter, Oliver and the Artful Dodger, where he provided the voice of the Artful Dodger. Starting in 1973, he would bounce between live-action and voice-work jobs with roles in Speed Buggy, the new Scooby-Doo movies, Ironside, Mannix, Devlin, Barnaby Jones, the MASH TV series, the all-new Super Friends Hour, where he voiced one half of the Wonder Twins as Zan, and in 1978, he would take a walk on the dark side with Challenge of the Super Friends as the Diabolical Riddler. It was in the early 80s that Bell really took off as a voice actor, normally voicing multiple characters in the same animated series, like in G.I. Joe, where he voiced Duke, Clutch, Major Blood, Blowtorch, Scrap Iron, Lift Ticket, Tollbooth, and Zaymont. In the Transformers animated series, he did the voices for Bombshell, Brainstorm, Prowl, Swoop, Scrapper, and Sideswipe. 
that is just the tip of the iceberg, as he has continued to work with other notable appearances in animated series such as The Smurfs, Snorks, Rubik the Amazing Cube, where he voiced Ronaldo Rodriguez, Centurions, Voltron, Defender of the Universe, where he portrayed Lance, Robotics, Inhumanoids, as both Augur and Blackthorn Shore, DuckTales, Tailspin, Spiral Zone, Darkwing Duck, Bonkers, and Sonic the Hedgehog series, just to name a few. Bell began voice work for video games in the beginning of 2000, with titles like Baldur's Gate, Fallout, Diablo 2, Command & Conquer, Yuri's Revenge, Metal Gear Solid 2, and has continued right up to 2012 with the World of Warcraft expansion, The Mists of Pandaria. At 76 years old, he might have decided to take it a bit slower, but it has been reported that he keeps trying out for voice work in the Michael Bay Transformer live-action films, so I think it's safe to say it's only a matter of time until we hear his familiar voice again. This is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. If you've never heard the Rubik the Amazing Cube theme song, you're in for a real treat, because here it is. That was performed by the band Menudo. Menudo was a boy band from Puerto Rico that was formed in the 1970s by Eduardo Diaz. They released their first album in 77 and in the 80s had some pretty decent success. They would become so popular that two films about Menudo would be released and they would spawn the superstar Ricky Martin, who was a member of Menudo during his youth. I love this theme song, but they also used to do these little videos that they would show on television, not on MTV, but on, say, ABC, and they had one called Shopping Mall, which they would repeat for years, and then one day they just stopped showing it. The song is silly, the video is even sillier, and whenever I am in a shopping mall, it sort of pops into my head. Occasionally, I might even sing it to myself. It is that deeply ingrained. Here's just a little taste of it. Rubik the Amazing Cube did not have a tremendous amount of episodes. Some of them might be better than others, though. Here's Metagirl with the top five episodes of Rubik the Amazing Cube. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl bringing you the top five episodes of the Saturday morning cartoon Rubik the Amazing Cube. All episodes are from Season 1, sadly, the one and only season of the series. At number 5 is Episode 7, Rubik and the Poochnappers. The family dog Sparky is exiled to the yard until the kids can show that they can take better care of him. 
Thinking a dog show win will convert their parents' negative impressions of the pooch, the kids enter the dog in a contest, which he wins handily with Rubik's magical assistance. Unfortunately, a couple of thugs notice Sparky's skills, nab him, and train him to commit crimes. Will Rubik and his friends get Sparky back before the big robbery? Tune in and find out. Number four is episode six, Rubik and the Mysterious Man. Feeling unappreciated around the house, Carlos runs away from home, taking Rubik along for the adventure. While passing through a train yard, they run into a mysterious man who turns out to be Rubik's old master, who is intent on making Rubik his slave once again. Carlos's brother and sister track him down and assist in the effort to rescue poor Rubik. Number three is episode three, Honolulu Rubik. On a family vacation in Hawaii, Rubik encounters a surly crab and winds up all mixed up in the water. He is rescued by a local boy named Kimo and returned to his friends. Rubik's multicolored faces remind Kimo of a mysterious crystal embedded in a nearby volcano, which is allegedly inhabited by a ghost. Kimo takes the kids to see the gem, but on the way up the volcano, he slips and falls. Rubik's powers save the day. When the kids and Rubik make it to the crystal, they discover not only a lonely ghost, but also a couple of crooks intent on stealing the gem. At number two is episode 12, Super Power Lisa. Feeling unimportant, Lisa asks Rubik to grant her the powers of her favorite TV character, Power Girl. Endowed with her newfound abilities and confidence, Lisa attempts to thwart the bad news land developers who are trying to scare some occupants from their home. Ultimately, her brothers and Rubik get Lisa out of a jam. And the number one episode of Rubik the Amazing Cube is... Episode 13, Time Machine Rubik. Rubik takes the kids on a trip to the year 2183, where they meet their future relative, Cosmo. Together, they outwit futuristic villains who try to steal the Statue of Liberty. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five episodes of the animated series, Rubik the Amazing Cube. Until next time, List fans, this has been Metagirl. Thanks, Metagirl. If you want to watch Rubik the Amazing Cube and you don't have a VCR, it's not going to be easy because, sadly, the show has not been released on DVD yet. You can find some copies on VHS, which means you have to go to the sort of gray market to find these. People do occasionally post full episodes online on free streaming video channels. When they do show up, I would say check them out. It's a lot of fun, and it really captures a moment in the 1980s, a real trend. And the fact that it was combined with the Pac-Man Hour, and you've heard of Pac-Man, should give you an idea of the pop culture relevancy of the Rubik's Cube. If you were to ask me, though, back then, if I was to pick a toy that I owned that should be turned into a cartoon, I might have never picked my Rubik's Cube but you have to admire the creativeness and ingenuity of the people who had to come up with a story about how a cube can be a character. And I think they did a great job. So give Rubik the Amazing Cube a chance. If you like Saturday morning cartoons, I think you'll get a real kick out of it. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. 
If you have musical needs, you can email peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have feedback for Metagirl about the list or a suggestion, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. And just four and a half minutes later, okay, closer to five, that is how you solve the Rubik's Cube. Take that, Rodriguez kids. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.